With a background in both marketing and the military, Australian native Adam Garone's career took a left turn in 2003 when his brother challenged him to grow out a mustache. The two wondered if they could bring the mustache back in vogue and, in the process, both raise awareness for men's health and fundraise for prostate cancer research. Thus began the Movember movement. The Movember challenge is simple. Men begin November 1st clean-shaven and, for the next 30 days, grow out their mustaches while seeking out sponsorship for their efforts. The proceeds go to the Prostate Cancer Foundation and Livestrong. In 2011, Movember raised $126 million across 14 countries. We just fundamentally believe that um, we had this vision initially that we could create the biggest fundraising event in Australia. And everyone, everyone thought we were crazy. And we did that. And then we thought we can create the biggest fundraising event in the world. As Movember's CEO from the start, Adam built the company into one of the most innovative and impactful charities created this millennium, changing the face, both literally and figuratively, of men's health, and in the process, creating a cult brand that inspired a global movement. As part of an Ivy Ideas Night at Movember's LA office, Adam shared his incredible story with Ivy's Sarah Zapp, and showed Ivy members how to draw on their passion and resilience to overcome even the toughest obstacles and make a difference in the world. Please enjoy our conversation with Adam Garone. You're listening to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the social university. We are the grad school for life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. For more information about the Ivy community and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us at membership at ivy.com. This episode of the Ivy Podcast is brought to you by 8, maker of the 8 Smart Bed. Sleeping is smart. So is a bed that tells you exactly how well you slept last night. The 8 Smart Bed is a four-layer, high-density foam mattress paired with a smart cover that goes on the mattress just like a fitted sheet. This nearly invisible technology layer has multiple sensors that measure the quality of your sleep and deliver a daily sleep report each morning through the 8 app. The 8 cover also has a bed warming feature that warms each side of the bed individually to accommodate different sleeping temperatures. And 8 connects to almost any Wi-Fi-enabled device in your house. Coffee makers, blinds, smart lights. Did we mention bed warming? Ivy Podcast listeners get $100 off any mattress purchase by entering the promo code IVY at checkout. Visit www.8sleep.com forward slash IVY to start sleeping smarter today. So, you know, Adam, most of the time when these great charitable foundations begin, it's because someone they knew was sick or there was some really heartfelt story, but... You, you, you boys changed it up a little bit. Tell us how this started. Yeah, potentially it'd be a far more eloquent story if, um, <laughs> you know, 
our dad had prostate cancer and, and because of that we're inspired to create a uh, foundation. And, um, but Movember started in a really traditional Australian way, which was over beers on a Sunday afternoon. And <laughs> yes, yes to beers on a Sunday afternoon. Actually, yes to beers every day, actually. Um, but yeah, normally a lot of beers on a Sunday afternoon ends not so well, but it was my brother and a mate, and they were just having a chat and um, talking about fashion, how everything comes back over time. and conversation turned to there has to be some stuff that hasn't come back and uh, they thought of two things uh, macrame and <laughs> moustaches and I was like let's focus on moustaches and why has that never came, uh, made a comeback so that was that's literally how November started so you uh, you started to, to, to grow it and then when did you decide that you were actually going to put a, a good cause behind this and really kind of start a movement behind a very simple idea yeah, so this is 2003, um, and really, November that year was um, really about having two parties. One at the start of the month to prove that you were clean-shaven, and uh, another party at the end of the month to see who could grow the best moustache. And what was really interesting then, this is well before the ironic hipster uh, moustache trend, <laughs> um, we were literally the only like 20-something guys growing moustaches and it was really interesting the response that you got. My boss wouldn't let me go see clients, my girlfriend at the time is no longer my girlfriend. But you'd literally, <laughs> you'd, you'd literally be walking down the street and, and women would usher in their children a little bit closer because it's like who's that dodgy dude with a moustache and but everyone would ask why are you doing this and um, the next year we thought how do we put the power of creating that conversation to good. And, and so you, you really have a concept of each month as they're growing it out, they get sponsors to help, to help raise money. When did you begin to realize that this, this actually had some legs? Like your, your, your Sunday drinking was really quite brilliant. Yeah, and it was never a grand vision and to, you know, or thinking that this would become a global movement or anything other than us doing something good. But it was... It was pretty much that first fundraising year. So 2004, the four of us who started Movember, so my brother, myself, um, two other guys, JC and Luke, got together and thought, you know, how, how do we do something good? And we're just at this stage of our life where we wanted to give back. And we just thought about it. It was like each of us were doing something for, for breast cancer through, through uh, the amazing girls in our life. And we thought, you know what, there's nothing for men and men's health. And we didn't think it was an issue because no one was focused on it. But actually, and, and whilst we've made a lot of progress, um, the state of men's health is in really bad shape. On average, men die five, six years younger than women. There's no biological reason for that. And it's, it's complex, but basically it's because we just don't talk about what's going on. We don't act on um, uh, you know, what our body's telling us. We put it off going to the doctor and oftentimes that you know, means that we present late and um, no matter what it is, when you do that, it's very hard to treat. So th that became the inspiration, but that year, 2004, we cobbled together a website um, and in my mind it was like growing a moustache and fundraising is no different to committing to doing a 10K run for, for breast cancer or another cause. It's like, actually, uh, we've often been claimed as the laziest charity in the world because 
you do less to, to you know, give back. So it was like, all right, you change your appearance for a day, uh, for a month, which is no small ask. Um, and along the way, you ask your friends and family to, to make a donation to support your cause. And at, at, at what point did you think, I should give up a, a full-time job with benefits for a mustache? Well, with a mustache comes a lot of benefits. Oh, sometimes it's the opposite. <laughs> no, it was, it was really, because in our minds, this is like a passion project, a way for us to give back and, and do something meaningful. And how did um, people respond to you when you said, this is, this is what I want to go do now? Well, it was, I can't tell you how many people said, you're crazy, you're stupid. And <laughs> there's, my brother and I are two of the four co-founders, and there's just two of us. And I remember distinctly going home having dinner with mum and dad back in Melbourne, Australia and, and going, right, I'm going to quit my job. Trav's going to work in Movember and dedicate his agent, creative agency to work on Movember for nothing. And mum and dad was just like, what the fuck are you two doing? Like, this, <laughs> this just, they still don't quite understand what we do, to be honest, but they uh, are, are big supporters. But um, and that was a really interesting thing and I reflect back on that now. It's like this crazy idea around... Um, getting men to grow moustaches, getting the women in their lives to support them to create this movement for men's health. Now, on the other side of it, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, 21 countries and $800 million and it's amazing success. But when you're starting out, um, it's really interesting. And I often think about this, you know, at first people ignore you and then people laugh at you and then at that point, I think you're starting to get a little bit of traction. But it's about persisting. And we just fundamentally believed that um, we had this vision initially that we could create the biggest fundraising event in Australia. And everyone, everyone thought we were crazy. And we did that. And then we thought, we can create the biggest fundraising event in the world. And there's actually, when you think about fundraising events, from a charitable point of view, there's very few, if any, global events. And Movember has gone on to create that. So when you think about crazy ideas, building a business around getting men to grow moustaches is fucking out there. <laughs> so any of you thinking about a concept, and it just comes down to believing wholeheartedly, 100% with every fibre in your body, that whatever it is that you want to create and pursue, um, you can actually make it happen. You've talked about this being kind of a, a next gen of philanthropy. How mm -hmm. do you create a next gen of philanthropy? Yeah, when, when we started out, uh, so 2004, um, from, from a, a foundation fundraising point of view, one thing that we realized was there was, at the time, there was no charity spoke to us. They were tired, they were depressing, they, they really used fear-based marketing to to get you to buy into it, and, and none of them related to us. And typically, young men do not engage in philanthropy. Typically, it's, it's older women that are the most generous and contribute most to charity. So the vast majority of charities focus on, on that segment. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we set out to create the anti-charity. We thought, let's be everything else that they're not and create this brand. And, and the brand became 
absolutely central to us. Create a brand that appealed to us. And we always use positive messaging. We don't use fear-based statistics or anything like that. It's about you know, inspiring men to go, you know what, let's do something for us um, to cre create change. I don't think people realize that your fresh approach to really marketing your idea and your charity is what really helped you guys. I mean, you weren't entrepreneurs before. <laughs> you, you had studied some in marketing. Talk to me a little bit about the unique out-of-the-box thinking when it came to marketing that really differentiated you guys. Yeah, it was like, you know, one of, the, one of our mantras sort of became, it's like, you, you literally can't think outside the box if you live inside the box. And I often think now on reflection, if, if our starting point, the four of us, were we worked at a charity, a prostate cancer charity, and they, the CEO said, hey, you, you guys need to come up with a campaign to get young men and women engaged in this cause, there's no way known if that was our starting point, we would have thought about men growing moustaches. And because we're way over here and started with, let's grow moustaches, all right, let's put this to a cause and let's marry the cause up, that created that beautiful connection. If you think about the ice bucket challenge, mm -hmm. it was exactly the same thing, right? That, that was a spike one year. There was no longevity in that. But it was people totally outside um, the ALS Foundation that, that created that, that became the most sort of viral um, you know, campaign, certainly on Facebook, that, that's ever been experienced. So I often think around naivety serves you very, very well to a certain point. And thinking differently and not bound, being bound by a way a ch charity should run or market themselves, um, that served us perfectly. And we just went with our gut and thought, let's create a brand and organization that we love. And if we love it, we think our friends will love it. And it, it's obviously gone on to become a global movement, but it started literally with four of us, then it became 30, and then it became 450 of us. And it started in Melbourne, then spread to Sydney, and then went to Brisbane, and then it went to New Zealand, and then it came over here. And, and it just, but people go, how did you grow this movement? And it was like we started with 30 people. Give us some examples of something unique that you did from a, a marketing standpoint or something that was a bit more out of the box than typical philanthropies may try? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the first thing was, you know, charity, and, and still it's, it's stuck, it's sort of tired. It's like there's charity balls and auctions and runs and walks and rides. It's like, let's never, ever do that stuff. <laughs> so the, the first thing that we did very differently was like, let's grow moustaches. And the second thing that we added to that is like, let's celebrate life. Let's have a party at the start and a party at the end. And, and it was amazing, those, those parties where you bring together just such a, a, you know, a diverse group of people, um, men and women, that were so engaged in this course. And obviously the men grow moustaches and the women support it. And that worked beautifully because typically it's the women that lead philanthropy. And Movember tipped that on its head and the women were going, all right, you take the lead, I'll support you in this case. And we, we had as many women uh, at our parties and, and supporting us as we did, we did men. But it was about celebrating life. And I remember really early on, it was like one of our campaign taglines was let's give prostate cancer a kick in the ass and we got a lot of criticism about that because like you just can't say that as a charity and it's like 
Oh, well, yes, we can. It's like, and we're going to do that. And, and it was like this quite rebellious approach to really old school and tired uh, philanthropy. And as I said, we never focused on the negative around one in six men are going to get prostate cancer, therefore you should grow a moustache. We never ever went that. It's like, grow a moustache, let's raise some money and awareness for this cause. But at the end of it, let's celebrate life in general. Let's talk a little bit about really the impact on and men's health. You mm -hmm. know, we had talked before, there was the Su Susan G. Komen Foundation mm -hmm. really focusing on women. You've focused on prostate cancer, testicular cancer, but let's focus a little bit about the men's mental health issues mm. and why you've most recently really leaned into this. Yeah, and it was a, it was a couple of things. And it, and it hasn't been, certainly it's been more recently in, in the US that we've focused on that from a funding point of view. But um, as I mentioned, there's four co-founders, two of us are brothers. So oftentimes people go, okay, you guys started this because you have dad had prostate cancer. So no, um, he's cancer free, thankfully. Um, so right from the start we said let's do because growing a moustache for the most part is a, a male only pursuit it was like let's focus on men's health holistically Some, someone got that little joke there <laughs> uh, um, and as we dove into it it was like alright our first funding priority became prostate cancer because the, the incidence of that is the same as breast cancer and we just thought there's so many great initiatives for breast cancer uh, but there's nothing for prostate cancer, and it affects as many men as breast cancer does women. So that became our first funding priority. And then what happened was, in the very early years, our most passionate supporters were, were young men that were testicular cancer survivors. And that's the most common cancer that affects young men. Like you men. think of Lance Armstrong mm -hmm. as an yep. example. Yep, absolutely. And we, we partnered with Livestrong over here um, because of that. But um, it's a rare disease, and we're really on a path to curing that. We're very close um, to, to effectively curing that disease. But so then, because of our most passionate supporters for young men with testicular cancer, we added that as a second cause. As we became more knowledgeable about men's health and the main issues that impact the age difference, um, one of the biggest ones was, was mental health and suicide. And that obviously affects men and women. But three out of four suicides are men. Um, Seventy-five percent of suicides. Yep. Men. So in any given day in the U.S., 88 men take their life. 21 of those are veterans. Today alone. So I often say, just to put that into perspective, imagine today if on Santa Monica Beach, 88 men were washed up dead. That would be global headline news. It's like, all right, what's happened? What, what's going on in the ocean? But it happens tomorrow as well. And the statistics are very similar in, in uh, first world countries. So in Australia, you know, it's, it's eight men a day, but it's a population of 24 million. So that be, prostate and testicular cancer are on a path to curing those diseases because of Movember, because of the funding, because of us uniting that research world. We're on a path to curing those diseases. Doesn't mean they'll go away, but no man in time will die from those diseases and the side effects will be minimum, minimal from treatment. We're actually losing the battle against suicide and we've got to change our approach. It's, it's the biggest health crisis that um, men face and as a society we don't talk about it, we don't know how to talk about it. There's so many stigmas around mental health and 
the first thing with any big issue is we've got to take it out of the shadows and start talking about it. I want people to understand exactly how your system of fundraising works. When you raise this money, mm -hmm. you've put it into what, over 1,200 different programs right now. Mm -hmm. So how do you figure out exactly what to fund in these various different verticals? Yeah. So we have a whole programs team. We've got a fundraising team and a programs team. And then uh, we basically look at our three funding priorities, so prostate cancer, testicular cancer, and then the mental health. And and, and basically, our funding is directed to where the greatest need is. So and who helps determine that? Um, our programs team, but then we have expert panels of independent volunteers that... So you have a third party that does some of your due diligence. We have got so many committees, <laughs> <laughs> scientific committees, and, and, specialty, and they're very important um, because they provide that independent um, perspective for us. So... We have prostate cancer committees, testicular cancer, and then mental health. And, um, and it really goes, prostate cancer is a massive issue. Um, we're on a path to curing that. We're doing a great job. And testicular cancer, the, survive, the survival rate for that is around 97%. So we've, we've just got to figure out why in some cases it com the cancer comes back and it takes these men's life and they become resistant to treatment. As soon as we figure out that part of the puzzle, we've effectively cured that disease. Prostate cancer is on the same path. It's far more complex, but it's on the same path. And then you've got m the mental health side, and that's a really complex issue. And, and what are some of those communities that you're helping in the mental health side that you're focusing on? Yeah, so we, we've identified a, um, you know, the different segments of men that are, are more predisposed to, uh, to, to taking their life. And, and typically for men, it starts with a major transitional moment in their life, which can lead to, to uh, depression, which can lead to masking with drugs, alcohol, work, and, and isolation, and then ultimately, sadly, tragically taking their life. So those major transitional moments is where, where we're focused on. So that really depends on your age. So as a, as a young man, you start with... Uh, sexual orientation so we we do a bunch of work with with um teenage boys around uh sexual orientation and and making it okay for them to discover it and normalizing that through to you know getting work unemployed men uh you got veterans you got gay and transgender men um new dads the obviously the perception is becoming a new dad is a wonderful uh, great thing, but a lot of men also suffer from postpartum depression um, because it, it totally transforms your you know, role in the relationship. And, and another segment is older men. My, my dad went through this a couple of years ago. He, he got ill and was forced into retirement, and he just became lost. And because, because there's men and boys, and, and as men, we've got these old school stereotypes around being the provider, uh, about being always in control, um, never vulnerable. We don't need to seek help because we're self-sufficient. And those aspects of masculinity, a lot of them are irrelevant in today's day and age, but they're really affecting um, uh, you know, our mental health. And, and we do need to change that. And that, that'll be a generational thing. And have you had friends that have committed suicide? Yeah, sorry, to, to, to wind back, um, so our dad was cancer-free fr from prostate cancer. Um, we had a, 
you know, out of, out of starting Movember, we had a number of friends that came up and said, uh, through Movember, so they weren't personal friends per se that had testicular cancer. But three of the four of us went to the same secondary school, it was a Catholic boys' school, and um, between us, we had six or seven close, close mates that took their life. And um, it, for the most part, it was, you know, the uh, Catholic schooling, it was, we graduated in the 90s, I'm, I'm aging myself here, but the, these, these guys were, were young gay men and they were brought up in a school and in a society that, that, that was not right. And that's super tragic. So adding the mental health side um, is you know, a, a, a personal passion for us. And that's, that's the issue um, that we're most, most focused on because it affects all men um, at all ages. You seem really... Yeah, yeah as you talk about it, you, you remember those things and it's tragic. It's, it's, um, it's preventable, um, but it's going to change. Uh, it, it'll take a lot of, um, it, it will just take time. And Why does that make you so emotional? Uh, I, I guess because it, it was so close, you know, and, and you do think it's preventable. Um, and, you know, you, and we're surrounded by it now. Uh, and, you know, we, we have men in our community and in, in the Movember community that take their life. And it's, it is a, for start, to start with is a disease. And um, it's, it's a really tough disease for people that haven't experienced to get their head around. And, um, but it's all about just making men understand that it's okay to talk that it's okay to be vulnerable, that it's all okay to go through ups and downs, that's just a normal part of life. And there are people around everyone that love them and would not you know, want them to be, to be here. Uh, you must have had so many people share their stories with you over the years and things that you've seen. Can yeah. you share one or two that have really, really touched you and made you think this is, this is why you pursued this path yeah. in life? Yeah, there's one standout story. It was uh, 2012, and I was in Toronto at the end of November, and um, uh, we were celebrating. It was, it was a great campaign. You sort of, at the end of the event, it was like, thank God, <laughs> this is done. We can sort of rest a little bit. Um, and uh, we were out with some of the Movember team. It was sort of late night. I said, let's go to another bar. So we all pile into a taxi and there was four of us. So I ended up being in the back seat in the middle as a taxi driver and sort of turn around and go, where, where are you guys going? We said to the next bar and he had this great moustache and it was like, I, never did I think you grow a moustache like this in 30 days. I said, you know, nice mo, mate. And he goes, mm -hmm. oh. And I, I didn't even think you'd understand that. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm doing it for November. I go, oh, yeah, so are we. And um, whenever I meet someone that's doing November, I said, well, what's your November story? And he was driving, he pulled over. He goes, oh, I've got to tell you, um, you know, I'll probably get a bit emotional here, but <clears throat> um, he turned around and he goes, you know, I know November's for men's health, but 
um, you know, last year my mum passed away, or his mum passed away in Sri Lanka from breast cancer. And he goes, you know, I'm going to grow a moustache in November every year as a tribute to my mum. And <clears throat> it was at that point that you realise, you know, this thing that we created is so much bigger than any of us. And yes, growing a moustache is trivial, and but it is so meaningful because of the conversation. He, he's, you know, now able just to say, hey, we. And what happened was he they couldn't afford the treatment back in Sri Lanka for his mum. And he goes, this is my tribute to my mum. So, and that, was, and that was that moment. Let's clap for that. That's wonderful. Mm. So where are you going with this now? Where is the direction of, of, of the company? You, you, you're now Chief, Chief Mobro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and taking on a little bit different of, uh, of an angle. But where is your passion? Where is this going? Yeah, um, we talked about it before. But it was, uh, you know, I was sort of CEO from the start. And uh, last year, June, July last year, I decided to stand down as CEO for, for a number of reasons. But sort of as an entrepreneur, as we talked about, you're sort of most passionate and most happy when you're building stuff. And Movember's at a very different evolution now. And I just felt as though I was losing um, that passion to lead the organization. And so I, I said to the board, well before that time, I, I, you know, I think it's time that I, I do stand down. And I just want this next chapter with Movember to be you know, happy for me personally. Because you know, when you're happy with work, you know, that you know, you do your best work, right? And um, so we've got a new CEO now um, that we've known for a long time who's doing a great job and it's enabled me to focus on my new role, which in part is telling the story, doing media, so there's an ambassador part. Um, the other part of my role is um, Movember's always been, and we've been so proud about creating this grassroots movement. We've always been bottom-up, we've never been top-down, but now because we've got this enormous influence, it's, it's time now that we can be knocking on the doors of government and, and saying, hey, because of what we've done, how about you prioritise men's health? Really around, and our focus here is around suicide prevention. And um, potentially, if, if you get that influence, that's going to you know, accelerate everything that we're doing from a grassroots level. But where we're going with this, um, you know, like any brand, um, our challenge is like, how do we stay relevant? How do we stay fresh? So many guys have grown before, um, may or may not do it again, had a great experience. How do we engage women more in, in the movement, give them tangible ways to, to support the campaign? So we've, we've added other fundraising options during November. So one of them is called MOVE, which is the first four letters of November. So it's about creating a physical challenge over the course of the month or hosting an event. Um, and then also fundraising outside of the month, which will be mainly approaching um, corporates or basically really rich people and going, hey, we're funding all these great programs. How about you chip in and help us, help us fund um, these things? But, you know, our, uh, you know, n not to compete, but men die five years younger than women. And so our first priority is to get men 
on average living as long as women. So increase the average age of men by five years. And that's, that's starting to happen, and it's not just us, it's a whole ecosystem um, of things happening there. And, you know, I always say, whilst we are absolutely focus on men and men's health, I'm a feminist as an organisation, we're, we're, we're a feminist, and we believe that our role in this, in improving the lives of women and, and the rights of women, is by focusing on men and getting men to be better men and uh, having them live happier and healthier and longer lives. And um, a lot of the things that drive men to take their own lives are the same negative aspects of masculinity that um, play out in domestic violence. So if we can influence those negative aspects of masculinity, not only will we stop or reduce the rates of suicide, we'll, we'll reduce the rates of domestic violence and, and get men just to be better men better friends, better husbands, better partners, better fathers, and, and that will naturally lift um, society. What do you think about the man you see when you look in the mirror? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, you know, in you know, the evolution of my career now, it's like, in stepping down as CEO, it's like, I wanted to focus more on me. I mean, you know, with Movember, we've made so many sacrifices. I remember the biggest one was moving across here, actually. So, you know, as a, an immigrant um, coming across here to launch a business, came across, I'm in LA because the Prostate Cancer Foundation is in Santa Monica. So I ended up sort of resting my laptop here and calling it home, which I, I've lived here 10 years now. Um, that was one of the biggest sacrifices. You leave friends and family back in Australia and I didn't really know anyone here and you, you know, it, it takes a lot to do that. Um, uh, and huge sacrifices. So for me now it's like um, focusing a little bit more on me and, and my family, um, traveling less, um, having a better work-life balance, which is really hard when you are starting up an organization because when you do that, you're sort of all in. And you have to be, I think, to you know, get through that startup phase of an organization. Um, so it's, it's more personal time, more balance, more time at home, less travel. Um, and, you know, and, and even personally, just thinking about my own health and um, you know, making sure you know, I enjoy life to start with, which, which I love, um, but I'm as healthy as I can be as well. Thanks again for tuning in to the Ivy Podcast by Ivy, the Social University. We are the Grad School for Life, and our mission is to spark world-changing collaborations by introducing you to the most inspiring people, ideas, and experiences in the world. Check us out at ivy.com for life-changing advice and gatherings, and the foremost thought leaders shaping our world today. For more information about the Ivy community, and to find out about events happening near you, visit ivy.com and email us via membership at ivy.com. Dream big and stay inspired.